Water. Last weekend, Lansing had its annual microbrew and music festival. There were over 100 performing musicians and over 200 microbrews to sample. OAR took center stage at the festival. I spoke with their drummer, Chris Kulos, about the band's music and his preference on microbrews. Looking at the acronym OAR, how did you come up with the name? Uh, OAR stands for Of A Revolution, and it came from a short story that our singer wrote. Uh, we started, we have a long history. I'll try <laughs> to make it so much short here for you. But, like, we grew up together, the singer and I, Mark. Uh, we've been best friends since kindergarten. We started our first band in eighth grade oh with our guitar player, Richard. Uh, we started playing in a couple other bands together. Uh, Mark and I pretty much started you know, writing our own music and playing together for a couple of years. We had Richard rejoin the band, and we met our bass player, Bench. And at that point, everything just kind of connected. And we were writing songs that we wanted to be, you know, finally playing in, the, you know, the kind of the style of music, um, the message and the lyrics, all that kind of clicked. And we took a lot of different characters mm -hmm. from Mark's short story. That he wrote he wrote about all these different characters and all these different themes and we put them into oar songs and part of the sentence said blah 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 blah, blah of a revolution mm -hmm. and we just thought that sounded cool and we thought that the revolution part was kind of like you know is our musical revolution mm -hmm. you know we were 16 years old but at the time it just it just kind of felt like it was the right fit and um basically that's been the name but it's kind of a mouthful so we shortened it to oar <laughs> And again, you created your sound in high school, but do you remember that first practice or that first moment that you had with your, you know, your buddies saying, hey, let's start a band? Um, I do. I mean, there's a couple different mm -hmm. similar experiences. The first one was when we were in elementary school. Mm -hmm. Our singer's older brother had a, um, like a VHS tape of a Genesis concert from 1985. I think it was called the Mama Tour. And Phil Collins would go back and he would do this big drum battle with the drummer from Genesis. Um, I think his name was Chester Thompson. And back in the 80s, they had these massive drum sets and it was just this epic thing. We would watch it every day after school. So that was our first kind of inspiration. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward a few years later, the grunge scene kind of took over and we watched um, Pearl Jam on Unplugged. And that, without a doubt, like we were like, we have to start a band. <laughs> And from that moment on, literally, like my dad was a drummer, so I had a drum set in the basement. I wouldn't necessarily say I was a drummer, but I had a drum set. I could kind of play a couple beats. Mm -hmm. So by default, I was a drummer. And then our singer, Mark, he, um, he'd been acting and singing in plays. And so he kind of had a voice. And by default, he was the singer. So we asked around school and um, wanted to find the coolest guitar player. And that was Richard on. We kind of went up to him at the lunch table. Uh, in the cafeteria, and he uh, he kind of freaked out. He thought we were coming to fight him, but uh, <laughs> we were just we had heard that he was a good guitar player, so we invited him over. It all just kind of clicked. It really sounds like the start of a movie. I gotta say. <laughs> uh, now, did you ever expect the band to be as it is today? No way. Are you kidding? Um, we're really fortunate. We're really grateful, and we love what we do. Um, but you know, we started in the basement, and. We recorded a CD, 
We started playing some shows early on, and there was something there from the beginning, even though there weren't a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We just kind of felt like this was there was something there, and we owed it to ourselves to really give it a try. And so we graduated high school in Rockville, Maryland, and we went to school at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was like the biggest school in the country, um, perfectly centered in the Midwest where we could get around, you know, uh, up to Michigan and uh, Indiana and, you know, Chicago and just get around all the different colleges everywhere and start growing the band. And, uh, you know, it, it was a very, um, you know, it was kind of the, 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 the process. It kind of happened over a long period of time, which I think for us, uh, as much as you want to just, you know, break through and mm-hmm. be a big band, it's, uh, you don't always develop the the skills you need. You don't realize that, you know, uh, you don't learn the business side of it. You don't learn all the details that go along with it. And I think that's really important, especially these days. It's really hard to kind of make it um, Mm -hmm. in a band to kind of last, you know, have longevity. Mm -hmm. So for us to have kind of taken it slowly and really learned a lot of the stuff around us, I think it it kind of adds to why we're still here today and still being able to grow the band. Um, But in a lot of ways, we've done things that, even as a kid, I never would have ever even, you know, thought to dream of. You know what I mean? Like, we've been able to play, like, Madison Square Garden a couple times. I mean, that's crazy. To me. I never would have even thought to think that, you know? Like, that's. I mean, that's a dream, but it's not really something you're thinking, oh, one day we're really going to play at Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden. Sure. Um, but on the other hand, we, like, we just, we, we're really, uh, it's just important to us to keep growing as writers, as musicians, uh just as a band in general, what we put out there, growing our, our audience by, you know, attracting new people, but also, you know, being aware that our core, you know, audience is really dedicated and there's certain things that they love about what we do. So it's trying to change certain things, you know, just to keep, you know, growing, but also to keep certain things the exact same way they were when we were 16 years old in the basement. Mm-hmm. And through this evolution and this uh, process of growing and understanding and developing, were there moments where you wanted to throw in the towel and you said, okay, maybe this isn't right, maybe this won't work? Um, you know, personally, I've maybe had some frustrations mm-hmm. along the way as a drummer because I didn't grow up um, practicing drums as much as I would have liked to. Um, looking back, um, You know, I I played drums, but I didn't practice them. I think I was more into music in general. Mm -hmm. I loved being in a band. I wanted to play in bands and be out there playing shows. And I always thought that certain things that I would one day just naturally develop, you know, they they don't unless you put in the work. It's like with anything. Um, You really need to do that kind of stuff. Uh, And there came a certain point where the band got almost bigger than I was individually capable of performing at. and I would, man, I would just get frustrated. I had, you know, finish a show and just, we would play 200 some shows a year. So I knew these songs backwards and forwards and I could play them without thinking. It was second nature at that point. But there was things I would hear in my head that I wanted to be able to do. And it was either that I couldn't play them, I didn't know how to do that, or my body physically wasn't able to do those things to take it to the next level. And, um, I ended up, you know, kind of in a little of a dark place. It's not uh, that bad, but it was just, it was just a personal thing. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like there was much more that I could could give, and so I found a really great teacher. Um, he kind of got me right on, you know, on a good path. And over the last couple of years, I've made up for all the time I didn't practice, and I still have a long ways to go. 
But as far as feeling a lot more comfortable and being in control and being able to do those things and have the experience and having that feeling of being able to walk into a studio situation, mm-hmm. uh, when before it was, hey, man, this, these up-and-coming bands, you know, they get to work with a big producer. Well, the big producer, he works with pro-level musicians all the time, so he expects a certain thing. And then mm-hmm. I'm in the hot seat when I don't know how to deliver. Uh, well, now I've learned all, a lot of those things. And there's still, you know, areas where I want to grow and, and get better at. But uh, it's just all about putting in the work and knowing that it's worth it. You know, all that all that stuff you put into it uh, is so worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Very nice. And, uh, again, you went to The Ohio State University. How does it feel performing at other Big Ten communities? I'm sorry, it was cutting out. Was, oh, you're fine. Um, from where? Um, I said, how does it feel to perform at different Big Ten schools or Big Ten communities? Man, we love it. <laughs> Good. I, love people. I mean, I know it's been a few years since we've graduated, and we don't like to think we're um, that much older uh, than, you know, coming out of the college circuit. Mm-hmm. But um, but I don't think we are. I mean, I think uh, our music is still reaching a lot of college campuses. Um, it's where we came from. It's what we love doing. So much of our shows developed out of that idea of playing at colleges. And what I mean by that is that when you go to a concert in a venue, typical venue, usually, you know, you have the staff who have to be there at a certain time and there's a schedule for the day. You have to sound check at a certain time, play the show. There's a curfew. You have to be done. You have to load out, do all that, this and that and that. Mm -hmm. But when we would go to like colleges, a lot of time they were free form. They were parties. They were events that we were just hired to play that didn't have a beginning or an end. And we don't have that much material to play for hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. It was what kind of forced us to have to extend our songs and do a lot of improv and have our singer Mark freestyle things on the spot and maybe play songs over again in a different way that we hadn't played them earlier <laughs> that right. night. So all of those things kind of forced us to become, um, I think, what a lot of OAR is really all about. Um, it's not, you're not going to get the show the same way twice. But on the other hand, it's not so different that you're not, you know, you're not going to recognize these songs. Mm-hmm. It's just each event, each show, and each song, and each moment is going to be pretty much unique. We're living in the moment. We want to kind of have that connection with the with the crowd, with the audience who's there. You know, that specific night. That's kind of what it's all about for us. And that's all came from you know our days in college shows. And it's still we go back and, and play college shows, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. So we we love it. That's great. And again, you're performing at a microbrew um, music festival. So are you a fan of microbrews? Yes and no. I mean, you can't go anywhere these days without without (laughs) that. It's like, you know, who cares about wine or scotch or any of those things anymore, right? It's all about, I mean, you can can barely find like, you know, Bud Lights these days. You go into like any of these stores and there's just walls of craft beers and microbrews and all that. It's really cool. you know, we'd always talked about doing an OAR-branded beer, so Ooh. that's something that's still on the horizon. We would love to do that. Oh, that'll be def- – well, I'll, I would definitely take a sip of that, so that would be good. Awesome. <laughs> um, now, what are, which are your favorite microbrews? Do you have any favorite off the top of your head? Man, not really. Um, oh. We worked with um, some events with um, – I think it's called, like, Cigar Brothers Brewery or okay. something like that. In, in out in Florida, mm-hmm. um, I'm blanking off the top of my head. There's um, Stone, I think. Are they out of California? I think or so. Colorado. Yes, one of, uh, definitely out west. Um, shoot, I've 
I can't remember. I took a road trip out west, and I definitely remember seeing that, but I can't remember yeah. which state. Oh man, there's probably so many good ones that I'm just <laughs> I'm the worst person to ask. I I I really don't drink too much beer. At least you're honest. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. And now, when you are on tour, what's your favorite food, or where you find your comfort food? Maybe even drinks as well. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, I'll have, um, I'll have like a scotch or I'll have mm-hmm. like a crown and Coke maybe mm-hmm. after the show some nights. Um, we go out and we find restaurants, you know, through like Yelp is a great thing to have on the road. Um, you can kind of just search nearby, read the reviews, find something good. There's nothing worse than like being on the road and eating fast food mm-hmm. and pizza and beer and everything all night. It's just We've had those days, and honestly, it's so much better, so much more fun to have, like, a healthy and fun tour like that. When when you're feeling good, the shows are that much better. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes life and everything so much easier. So we go out and we explore the city that way, um, check out new restaurants and things like that. I mean, it's just amazing to me that no matter where you go, that there's really cool restaurants. It's almost like this trend now. It used to be, like, you know, farm to table, and you would go and you'd be like, oh, what is this weird menu? And now you go to, you know, random cities in the Midwest. I'm not talking about just, you know, New York City or L.A. or Chicago or something like that. Just all of these cities are starting to have, you know, uh, pretty amazing restaurants, great chefs, really creative stuff. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's really fun, especially for us getting to travel all the time. Sure. And what do you miss most when you're on tour? And it doesn't have to be food related. <laughs> Yeah, true. Um, well, I think just being away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was one thing when um, we had just graduated college and we hit the road full time and we played 250 shows a year. Um, but now we're pretty much all married and half the guys in the band have kids. Uh, we all live in different cities, but uh, it's all the same experience. You know, we want to be home. We want to be with our wives and, and families. And uh, it's just finding that balance. Um, and I think being open and honest about it and bringing that kind of into our writing, how we deal with that. I think from early on, even before we were married, I think a lot of the themes we would talk about was just about family and home and roots. Um, for example, the song Black Rock uh, was one of our earliest songs, um, and it really resonated with the crowd. It was about this idea of taking this place um, from home, maybe where you hung out with your friends or whatever that is, and taking it with you when you're away. Mm-hmm. and not feeling like you're so far away. You know, I, for us, we'd never really been away. We were in high school, and then we went off to college, and it was that idea of, you know, having that that experience to take with you. Uh, we had another song, I Feel Home, that was just about home and about all that experience and everything like that. And we've made a lot of progress along the way as a band to be able to say, okay, well, how can we continue to tour and grow the brand, you know, grow the band and still do all that without having to be away you know, 200 shows a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've, we've made some sacrifices and, you know, we can't do what we do on the road if things at home aren't good mm-hmm. and vice versa. And they're both our, you know, it's our, you know, home is, is our priority and the band is, is our dream and our, our wives and, and families sacrifice a lot to let us pursue that stuff and they support it and everything like that. And, and we continue to find ways just to make sure we can get home as often as we can. If there's days off, we try to shoot home, things like that. Um, and also just to kind of tie this together, a lot of our new album is about that idea um, of home. We, mm-hmm. we, we called it the Rockville LP, which is where we're originally from, Rockville, Maryland. Uh, that idea of home kind of being like, um, you know, we're all from different places. We all had that shared experience of what we grew up and, you know, what, 
what we did with our friends and what that means to us. Um, and when you go home and trying to be able to live in the moment, being present of what that was like, um, that feeling of, you know, uh, of home and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, just being able to go out into the world and have this feeling of that, you know, what it was like when you were young. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of capturing a lot of that message and just saying we all had that, you know, shared experience. Absolutely. And Chris, if you weren't a professional performer, what would you be? Uh, these days, I would love to be uh, a drum teacher. Hmm. I've been doing some lessons uh, on Skype and uh, meeting up with, um, you know, drummers and students in a couple different cities when I'm on the road. Um, some of it's formal, you know, as far as weekly lessons, and some of it's informal as far as getting together with drummers and just hanging, mm-hmm. um, talking about what we do. Um, some of it's just being maybe a kind of a coach, just like, hey, here's some things to work on while you're away at college for a couple months and check back in with me, you know, whenever you want. Um, and just that idea of being able to, you know, kind of talk about drums in a different you know, setting, um, being able to look at things and, and explain them in, in ways where I always thought, you know, I knew what they were, but when you have to go and teach them to somebody else, it connects a lot of dots and it really opens you up. And I guess they always say, you know, the best thing, way to learn something is to teach it. And it's, you know, I'm finding that to be very true. Um, and so that's something I would definitely love to continue doing. And do you have any children? No. Okay. I didn't know if we had Not future yet. drummers coming up. She takes over our life. I walk her, feed her, <laughs> bathe her, play with her, do all this stuff all day, and she, you know, rules the house. <laughs> Usually so. Um, and the, I have two more questions for you. Don't want to take too much of your time. Um, but what would be your dream location to perform one day? Um, it's tough to answer that because we've 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 knocked off a couple of those already. <laughs> I'd say so. Um. You could even say I mean, what has been. I like the big shows. The big shows? A lot of people say, oh, man, isn't it cool? Like, you guys get to play the big shows, but then when you go in and do, like, a bar or a small club, you have that interaction with the crowd right there in front of you. Isn't that the best? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it's really cool, but i got to be honest, there's not much, you know, anything better than playing a huge venue with thousands of people screaming the lyrics back to you, especially, mm-hmm. like, if it's in the summer, you know, kind of outdoors, that experience. Um so who knows? I mean, we've never really gotten to play a stadium. If we're talking dreams here, can I say that without sounding crazy? Absolutely. I mean, that would be pretty amazing. Although, mm-hmm. hey, maybe not. I've been to shows in stadiums and they sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the next Super Bowl might be yours. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, lastly, what would you tell aspiring artists? What would I tell a, a signing artist? I'm, I'm sorry, aspiring. <laughs> aspiring aspiring artists, yes. Same. Yes. Um, you know, I think our advice maybe would be to just be yourself, no matter who that is or what that is. Don't try to be anybody else um, because everybody's unique and everybody has something to say. And a lot of people see somebody else saying something and want to do their version of that. And people can smell that BS a mile away. Um, I think people are looking for authenticity in whatever it is, like we were talking about food a few minutes ago, Mm -hmm. or if we're talking about art, or if we're talking about writing, we can also, it doesn't have to be that creative. I mean, if there's people in the workplace, it's just whatever you do in in business or something like that, if you're being the best that you can be at what you do, that's, um, that's what people are, you know, attracted to. And what the most successful people I think are doing what they do best, um, just 
naturally. Um, but also, they've probably gained so much experience. They've reached out to people. I think if you want to make it in the music business, you have to know every detail. You really have to look into it. There's so much out there. Uh, you don't realize how much of a business it is. I mean, there's publishing. There's promotion stuff. There's the radio world. There's distribution. There's uh, all this stuff online as far as social media and streaming and the way the technology of the future is going to be happening and being aware of that. And then there's your artwork. There's your merchandise you're going to have to have. You have to know how those contracts are going to work when you go in. You have to know how the how touring works. You're going to have to know whether it's, you know, a small, if you're, you know, in your parents' station wagon, or if you're in a van and a trailer, or if you're on a tour bus, or if you're on multiple tour buses with multiple semis going in with a huge production. I mean, it's all very different, but it's all very the same, and it's all connected. And once you learn all of these different things, which you really need to have a grasp on understanding it, then find the right people to do the right job because you can't do everything yourself. Uh, and again, I know that that sounds crazy because not an aspiring artist would necessarily need a lawyer and a manager and a booking agent and a, an accountant and you know a record label and all of those things. That's kind of the dream. But you have to start small and learn those things, and that's what we did. We were sort of forced to have to do that. And we, we first started off small with a manager and he, you know, basically created a record label on paper. It wasn't a real record label with like, you know, walls and a staff and computers. It was a fake thing for us to be able to get distribution. And at that point there were still record stores, but it was our foot in the door. And once that was noticed, when we started selling CDs, record labels started taking notice and then that built. And then We'd go on the road, so we would hire a tour manager. So there are all these steps along the way, you know. Then we hired, you know, all these other things, and they all built, you know. So it doesn't all necessarily happen at once, but you have to know all of these things in order to make the right decisions and surround yourself with the best people. And also, be open to playing anything and everything. I think we got so much exposure just from playing shows, whatever it was, even if it sounded cheeseball. I mean, don't do everything just to be a pushover, but you really need to get out there and play and make that connection with an audience because that's what the music industry right now, who knows what's happening with the internet. Everyone's clamoring about how no one's making money off of record sales and you've got to be out there touring and this and that and that. And it all comes down to your fans. If you can build a solid fan base, you really can go out and make a living. And it doesn't have to be something where you're staying like MTV Cribs and stuff like that. It's not about that. It's just about if you want to do this for a living, it's probably because it's the only thing you can imagine doing it. But you also have to be realistic that there are costs. And there's also survival. You need to maybe put food on the table. So you have to know how to do it from a business standpoint and be able to get out there and build an audience and treat that audience you know, with respect and make sure they want to go and spread the music too because it's not going to happen by itself. Well, I think uh, aspiring artists have certainly a notebook now of kind of to-do lists and what they can learn from you. So with that, I say thank you very much for all your insight, as well as thank you for the conversation. Uh, any oh, final thoughts? Oh, thank you so much. I had a blast. Yeah, me too. But uh, good luck on your tour and safe travels. And I hope you enjoy that um, healthy food as you travel. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm underneath it all tonight. I'm my window to the million lights. Thousand hearts feeling just like me. Take the left, I'll take the right Under arrest, we're under fire 
take my time and build this life by my own design. A new direction and it's in between everything I love and everything I need. So bring it back. They don't want me Cause I'm no criminal I'm not your enemy All I have is life And I don't wanna go to heaven If I can't so get So you in. take the left I'll take the right 